Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say She sure did. Not to mention, <laughs> along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Hello there, and welcome to Frankie Sense and More. I am your host, Frankie Picasso, and today we have a great show for you. It's unusual for Frankie Sense because I only have one guest, and you're going to meet him in just a moment. As a matter of fact, he is the Tung Fu Master, a man who is ready, willing, and able to take you on, bullshit and all, and help you master the art of communication. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about him in just a moment. Uh, I do want to mention that, you know, unless you've been on a private island without internet, you have heard about the devastating massacre that occurred in Orlando, Florida at the Pulse nightclub. Uh, 53 injured, 49 dead. Bad news always travels fast, and our hearts and our prayers go out to the families who are suffering that loss. For sure. Um, but did you hear the good news about the team of comfort workers who were flown in from across the country to work with these survivors now suffering, obviously, with PTSD and anxiety? Yes, these golden angels underwent 18 months of diligent training so that they could learn the art of comforting people in stressful situations. And right to work they went. Says one of the employees of the nightclub, as soon as she sat at my feet, it was like, ah, I could breathe again. A team of golden retrievers, man's best friend, seems to be the best medicine. They don't judge, ask questions. They just offer a warm body, good listening skills, and a hug to those who need the most. So if you want to see them in action, uh, go to the www.thegoodradionetwork.com. I have a video of them on my website, and you can see how beautiful they, they all are. They're just absolutely gorgeous. And now... Uh, you know, as you know, I should say, Frankie Sense is aligned with the United Nations Global Goals, and one of those goals is about gender equality. And normally we think about this uh, with women, but today we're going to talk about gender equality and men, because my guest Joshua Hathaway, as I said, the Tung Fu Master and no bullshit communicator, um, is with us, and he wants to talk to the men a little bit later today. Josh has a master's in uh, holistic clinical psychology. He brings almost two decades of research and practice in communication, psychology, integral systems to the process of leveling up your emotional intelligence and your communication skills. Josh wants to improve relationships, deepen them, and bring about great acceptance, or he wants you to, and he's working with men to help them become equal to women when expressing emotions, their words, and beginning to alter and improve the connections that they create over their relational landscape. I can't even speak today. I went to the dentist. Sorry. <laughs> Welcome, Josh. Let's talk to you. We'll, we'll just talk to you instead. How are you? Thank you. I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, it really is my pleasure. It is. Tell us about no I think it's interesting actually. You have no bullshit and I have no bull on my book. And and you know, so there must be something to this that we really want people to get authentic. We want to strip away the artifice and say, "Hey, let let's let's meet you." Is that where you're coming from? Absolutely. I think there's just such a such a, a hunger right now for something that has depth and something that is raw and real. You know, we, we, we've, we've seen all the sort of iterations of the fluffy sort of spiritual approach to life and relationship. And 
those are really beautiful and fun to watch and inspiring and to listen to. And yet, you know, there's something lacking there. So there's something just we're all hungry for something gritty and something practical and something real that can include our our fuck and our namaste, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. So what what is wrong? Like what 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 is keeping us from having a deep connection? In a relationship, so many of us are guarded. You know, they see their divorce rates high, and and they're afraid to get into relationships. They're not just you know personal relationships, business relationships. Uh, we kind of keep ourselves back a little bit. We're afraid of the pain, and you know, hey, it's understandable. But at the same time, pain is good. So, what do you say to that? Oh my gosh! Well, it's such a big a lot, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Ooh, but I think my story is that we are actually in a huge transition right now culturally. Um, that we have gone from this um, very um, intensely patriarchal culture, um, and that culture had super strict roles for men and women. Here's what men do. Here's what women do in relationship. And they had all these economic and moral and religious sanctions against leaving bad relationships. And all those systems are crumbling around us. Mm. And we're left having to negotiate relationship on completely different terms now. A woman can leave a relationship whenever she wants. She's not tied to it by the church or by by economic sort of sanctions anymore. And so we're in this new sort of era where we have to navigate relationship by actually connecting, by being intimate with one another, by by finding ways of not leveraging our power against each other. And so the great challenge is that while sort of the structures have um, are in place now, our, our sort of our, our technology, our connection tech, so to speak, is not up to par. So many of us have inherited a way of communicating in roles that are no longer sort of relevant or work in today's relationships. And so ultimately now navigating relationship requires intimacy and intimacy is always vulnerable. It always is a matter of revealing ourselves and showing some part of ourselves that we have been trained to hide. Um, and, uh, and putting ourselves out there and taking a risk. So, um, it's interesting though. Can I say something? I think it's interesting that you say, you know, that, that women can leave relationships and, um, but still I find so many women are staying in relationships because of money. They're staying there, you know, they're afraid to leave. Oh, the money's, you know, what am I going to do? I don't have money. Um, which is something I always tell women, forget about money, leave (laughs) money will come back to you. But, but the other part is that is, that we continue to hear about people, men and women, um, going into the same, you know, keeping their relationship patterns, finding the same partners over and over and over, never evolving to the next level, to really, to the person that they really need to have as a partner. And they haven't become that person yet either, obviously, mm-hmm. or they'd have them, right? But mm-hmm. I don't know as much about men as I do women, um, if they can, if they always, you know, keep the same kind of pattern, uh, that women do, but women definitely have a hard time breaking their, their relationship patterns. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's the same on both sides. And it's, it's really so much of this process of sort of looking for the person to, to, to validate us or make us feel better. Mm -hmm. We're all sort of acting out these unconscious old, old patterns about how we were, how we, how we learned how to get sort of emotional nourishment from the people closest to us. And most of us were not trained to get that in a really healthy, integrated, whole, independent kind of way. And so, um, you know, this whole process of, of, 
finding somebody we can project all our fantasies onto um, is is just so common, you know. And as you said, we're not going to find that person until we become that person, you know. Right. Until we really like love ourselves, until we can really accept ourselves and be intimate with ourselves, you know, and not eat our own bullshit constantly. <laughs> yeah. um, exactly. We're still going to be looking for somebody to validate our bullshit, you know. Right. Yeah. But, you know, one, one thing that people are, are um, oh, geez, the word just went right out, but shallow in, in, in regards to relationship. They look at somebody and they look at the car, they look at the money, they look at the house they might live in, they look at, you know, how are they going to look on my arm? Uh, people think in, in wrong ways about relationships, I think. You know, I mean, I've always told people to think about how do you want that relationship to make you feel uh, rather than, you know, what you're seeing visually. Um, on the surface, because really, in the end, it's a, it's the a feeling that you're going for. How how does that man or woman make you feel? Do they do they make you feel loved? Do they make you feel like you're important? Do they make you feel uh, like you know it's only the two of you in a room? Like how do you feel, and what how do you want to feel? Truly, how do you feel? How we feel when we're with somebody is so important. We often focus more on sort of like the fantasies that we the have. Optics, yeah. Then, oh, he's got big guns, or you yeah, know, yeah. Feelings we have, but you know, the funny thing is, I don't know that it would. I, would, I, I don't know that I would call it wrong thinking. It's perfect thinking for wherever that person is at in their developmental journey. Relationship is just a universal sort of soul oven that it, we're constantly sort of putting ourselves into and see what we can cook up. And, and it's a, it's a, such a, um, a crucible for our own growth and development. And, you know, people, what, what I think is the biggest bullshit that people get caught in is blaming their partners for the problems in any relationship. Like right. the relationship as a thing is a perfect expression of you, of where mm-hmm. you in your life right now of what your desires are and it's giving you a perfect reflection and so if your relationship is reflecting pain then you have to really look inside of yourself at what part of you is is welcoming this pain is welcoming is seeing yourself as um only worth a victim (laughs) exactly oh my god victim bullshit is so potent when in relationship everybody who's on the outs is like making it about their partner instead of so often you know, we make it about our partners instead of making it about ourselves. Like, wow, here's what I went in there looking for. Here's what I did to, to damage the relationship. And here's the choices that I made to compromise myself along the way that, that opened up the door to, uh, to the next level of abuse or the next level of pain or whatever it is. You know, people don't want to look at themselves. And hence, when they walk out of a bad relationship, blaming it on their partner, what do they do? They get into another relationship that's the exact same because they haven't sorted out their own bullshit. From and it feels life. like home. Yes. It feels like home, right? Yeah. You know, everybody wants to feel like they're at home, good or bad. And, and you see it over and over, whether it's, you know, if the partner, the father who beat you or the mother who yelled at you, you're going to get that relationship. You're going to find that until you've, you've resolved that within your soul. But people are are so it i can't even talk today i what i want to say is is it's very difficult for people to view themselves to to look in that mirror and say yeah you know what i am not perfect i am at fault i'm the one who actually did and it's and when you hear them talking to somebody about their relationship you see their role you see them so clearly going oh my god did you really do that and say that because i can see on the outside how you were 
you know, setting yourself up for that experience. Absolutely. And yet it's so difficult for them to see that. Yeah, and it's so easy for us to see other people's bullshit in action, you know? It is. We recognize our own, right? <laughs> our own bullshit, right? It's the bullshit we swim in, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to take a commercial break. And when we come back, Josh, you're going to tell us more about uh, being a Tung Fu master and the art of connecting. Because connecting is so important. We, as human beings, we want to connect so deeply and so badly and just are not very good at it. Yes. So let's talk about that when we come back. Oh, Don't go anywhere. You are not going to want to miss this, especially if you want to have a good relationship with your partner. Heck no. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Believe it or not, there are times when even I can't think of the right word. The inability to think of a word is called lethologica. Texas Monthly Magazine recently came out with some colorful homespun sayings. Old as dirt and common as cornbread in the Lone Star State. Did you hear about the Texan that could strut sitting down? But he was all hat and no cattle, which means very boastful, but with nothing about which to boast. On top of that, he don't know a widget from a wangdoodle or a diddly squat. His wife was a mighty strong woman. She'd charge hell with a bucket of ice water. She was always telling folks that he was so tight, he could squeeze a nickel till the buffalo screamed. She also said he was famous for calling the hogs all night or snoring. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. And we're back. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. You're listening to Frankie Sense and More, where anything can be said. And my guest today is Joshua Hathaway. Now, Josh has a program. He's called No Bullshit Communication. He says it's a box of badass practical tools for leveraging the power of language to break free of limiting patterns of thinking and behavior. Um, and I'm not going to say the rest of it yet. But, you know, you have an eight-week online training program that you're going to deliver. But let's talk about it before we go there in in what is the no bullshit communication? Mm, what, what is no bullshit communication? Yeah, yeah. Well, to tell you that, we have to talk a little about what I mean by bullshit. I have okay. a technical definition of bullshit. And bullshit is essentially any of the things that we think or say that either are basically not true or mm -hmm. a disconnection with the people that we're, we're talking to. Because no bullshit communication kind of takes as a premise that, you know, that relationship is the most fundamental resource in our lives, that 
you can you, you can be the, the 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 sort of richest person in the world in terms of monetary wealth or power but if you don't have love in your life if you don't have connection and intimacy with people if you don't have a bond then you are one of the poorest beings on the planet and there are people who get who get by on two dollars a month who mm-hmm. are surrounded by community who are mm-hmm. surrounded love and are happier than some of the wealthiest people on the planet. It's been demonstrated. And so, you know, if connection is this incredible resource, then how do we, how do we bring more of it into our lives? You know, how do we multiply this incredible resource? Um, well, communication is, it's like most valuable currency. Mm-hmm. We, it, the communication can be the key to either making a very small issue, a huge problem, or making a huge, what could be look like a huge problem, an actual beautiful opportunity to connect more deeply. And so um, No Bullshit Communication has identified some basic things that we all do, some basic bullshit that we all pull, whether we're in our intimate partnership, whether we're talking to our kids, or whether we're even at work with our team members, our employees, or employers, that tend to both be not true and create disconnection in any kind of relationship. And we just go in there, we, we, we identify this stuff, and we actually give you alternative, practical alternatives to do something different. How many people have you met that don't know who they are? They don't even know that they're lying. Right. Oh, man. Well, well one, the guy sitting in my clothes right now, like... <laughs> <laughs> as much as I'd like to claim I know who I am, like I am constantly discovering. I'm in, I'm in a constant, like wonderful discovery of bullshit, you know? And the thing about it is that like we were talking before the break, you know, it's easy to see other people's bullshit and hard right. to see your own. And the, the other thing is it's easy to make an enemy out of people's bullshit. But when you understand what bullshit actually is, then, and, and you develop some actual skill, um, it's actually a wonderful thing because bullshit is just the universe's clever hiding place for our vulnerability every well, time. I have yes. forms of bullshit that I've identified, you know, and whether okay. we're in our projection bullshit, which is when we're telling ourselves or other people's stories about how the world is or who they are or what their value is, things like you're fucking lazy or um, there's just not enough resources in the world or, um, you know, if you do that, it's going to end up like this. Like anything that we're saying that we can't, we don't know that it's true. It's just what our mind is telling us and we take it for granted right. and we're telling it to other people. That's projection bullshit, you know? And when we project at people, we often um, push them away. We create um, resistance mm-hmm. and we, um, and we actually are lost in a story about what's going on rather than being present to the actual facts of what's going on. And so whether the flip it's side of that though is religion, cause they preach at you all the time. They project and people want the connection and the community so badly sometimes that they as a member they'll spout off what they believe you know people are telling them just because they want to belong absolutely absolutely our stories are in a certain way what what weave us together we're storytelling beings you Mm -hmm. know and on an intimate level stories are what divide us as well when i'm telling a story about you that says you don't love me and you're my intimate partner you know Mm -hmm then you're instantly, if you do believe that you love me, are going to start defending yourself against that story. And once you start defending yourself, the whole conversation is done. You know, we, we're, we're in an argument. The, the gloves are on and we're both trying to win this sort of fight. To so see. rather, rather than, than argue, oh, I do love you, Josh, I really do. If I said, well, what could I do to make you feel like I love you? Yeah, I mean, that's what a What do you need? Right? But the, the, I think that it starts with actually recognizing that like 
everything everybody says mm-hmm. has a golden nugget of validity to it. Whether their story is true or not, this person is believing their story and we live in the world of our stories. Right. And so if, 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 if I'm believing my story that you don't love me, you know, um, and I, and I share that story with you, you can do one of two things. You can react to it and try to try to sort of defend your, your, your story against mm-hmm. mine, or you can get curious about me. Wow. It sounds like you're really feeling scared and, and, and lonely right now. You know, what, you know, can you tell me some of the things that you've seen me do that, that have let you know that I didn't, don't love you? You know, right, like, right. Yeah. Like, but, you know, in coaching terms, we, we talk about that as, as, you know, reaction versus response, learning to respond to a situation um, rather than just, you know, that knee jerk reaction. Wait a minute, buddy. You know, yeah. Now, now you get to respond in, in a methodical, curious, like you said, way and and to really find out where this person is hurting or what their story, what they believe their story to be. And a lot of that, you know, it's not your fault. If you're listening, it's not your fault because you're socialized by story. People told you a story about yourself that you were almost, you know, had to believe because your subconscious soaked it up like a sponge and said, okay, you were too young to fight that. And and now, you know, that's who you think you are. But if you question yourself, you might find out differently. Yeah. Curiosity is one of the greatest uh, sort of allies in this journey of being human, I think, is meeting meeting life with curiosity, including yourself, because we take ourselves so personally when really like what we call our identity, this this ego. Right. Yeah. Is really just this very complex defense mechanism that was <laughs> conditioned into us that yeah. really is is just this almost like um, it, it's an inherited um thing that's come down generation to generation, you know, it shifts a little bit along the way, but this thing we call an identity is just such a set of conditioned responses to life and core belief. The ego is so afraid of you. Yes. The ego is so afraid of you. It makes up all kinds of lies to, to let you keep it around. But, you know, folks, if you're listening, have you met the watcher? Have you, you know, have you been in touch with that person who watches inside your head the crap that goes on? That's right. The witness. What the I witness. love about the bullshit communication is that, is that um, it really has identified the mechanisms of the ego mm-hmm. um, as it's trying to sort of assert itself in the world in relationship. And that's the thing is you can be so great at meditation. You can sit down on your pillow and get into this blissful state of of peaceful awareness. You know, I'm not an advocate that meditation is about peace, by the way. I just want to mm-hmm. say aside, but, um, but you know, you can be so good on the pillow and then get up off your pillow. And when the world doesn't sort of, uh, treat you like your meditation room does all of a sudden you just are back in your, in your, um, sort of habitual egoistic stuff. And so no bullshit communication just like puts little flags in different ways that we tend to operate all the time. And so once you bump into those flags often enough and you practice, that's why it's, I call it tongue foo. Like you don't, Mm -hmm. you a kung fu master by watching a kung fu movie you do it by practicing over and over again you don't learn a new language by watching a subtitled french film like you you study the language and you practice it and you use it you know just like any language no bullshit communication requires practice getting good at this requires practice but it's a way of bringing our values whether it's a value for harmony or a value for connection or a value for um truth or honesty into our everyday interactions from the person at the checkout counter to your 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 partner to your child to your your parents, you know. So you said that this was um, the first the first one was projection bullshit. What's the next kind of bullshit that yeah, we can so look out for? 
projection bullshit, which is, which is, um, I think a really important thing to wrap our heads around. Then we've got a reactive bullshit, which is kind of the mother of all bullshit. It's like life brings you a thing, a stimulus life mm-hmm. probes you in some way. Um, and you react to it. You take it personally. You try to defend your ego against it and sort of a reactive bullshit um, is happening all the time when we're not, as you said, moving from reaction to response, bringing mm-hmm. our intention and bringing a practice of how we want to respond to the world and and really grounding ourselves in our values of what that looks like. Um, and then the, the, the third kind of bullshit that I talk about is demand bullshit. And oh, man, and bullshit. That's a bad one. <laughs> so, so powerful. But, you know, when we're when we're in our demand energy, when we're basically in a scarcity mode that like there's not enough. And in order to get mine, I have to coerce, force or make it happen instead of simply ask for what I want. Um, you know, then then what we do is we create resistance every time I make a demand, even whether I attach the word please to it or not. Right. I make a demand. I push somebody into a binary situation where they either have to rebel against me or submit to my demand. And both of those are losing games, you know? Absolutely. You know, we talked about, um, you know, language and we talk and, and we talk about how we want to feel in a relationship. And both my husband and I came into our relationship with the feeling that you're not going to be my boss. Freedom is our number one value. And so I don't speak to you like I own you. Yeah. So I can't demand from you because I, I, I'm not your master. I don't own you. I can ask you, Yes. But I can't say, you know, do this or I'm going to take away your whatever. Uh, goodbye. Exactly. <laughs> you well, know? The best litmus for whether you're making a demand or a request is, is what you do when the person says no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a request. You either get curious. Oh, I'm curious. Because the thing is, like, human beings love to give. We love to We love to support other people's joy and happiness. And so... If we say no, if a human being is saying no, then there must be some really good reason for that. And behind every no is a yes. Somebody's saying yes to something when they say when they're saying no to my request. And so the capacity for curiosity or the capacity to just accept somebody's no as it is kind of lets you know that you're in a request mode. The moment you start sort of trying to coerce or convince or justify all those other things when somebody says no you know that you you have some demand energy coming at them and you're you're really just pushing them into a more of a state of resistance um okay next so, one we, we got demand bullshit um so we got projection bullshit we have reactive bullshit we have demand bullshit we have one of my personal favorites which is victim bullshit oh uh, uh, yeah God. there's a lot we can talk about victim bullshit yes. we got a minute to commercial but let's let's start yeah, well, we it's just any time that we're that we're telling ourselves or other people that our experience, our feelings, um, are because of some other person or some situation or some vague rule or law. You know, we're outsourcing our power to other people and focusing on blame and resentment rather than focusing on our own choices and taking responsibility. And then the last kind of bullshit. Oh, we got thirty seconds. Yeah, okay, um, I, I think we need to talk about victim a bit more because you know sometimes people who are in victim don't see that they're in victim. It can be hidden in, in clever ways, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I'm like hoping- the martyr is still a victim. I'm hoping we'll talk more about all these, but yes, absolutely. The right? victim is so insidious. Yeah, very. So we're going to come back. We're going to talk about the rest of this. We're going to talk about men and communication and, and women and all kinds of wonderful stuff with no bull allowed in it. <laughs> Away we go. 
be right back after we pay the bills. It's words you never heard. We have a book titled The Art of Doing Nothing by Veronica Vienne in our guest room by the bed. I'm telling you, this book is an impossible challenge. In the state of Maine, it's said that someone who bottoms chairs for a living is lazy, presumably because one's bottom is perpetually in the chair. To sozzle means to laze around or perform a task in a sloppy way. The word is mainly found in New England. A quote from 1848 describes the term as used by housekeepers in certain parts of Connecticut to refer to a lazy person. Other words for lazy people are abbey lubbers, scabberlatchers, and slaughter pooches. To me, the ultimate love lolly is someone who is too lazy to even fake like they're working. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. What in the world are you listening to, young man? Oh, Mom, it's just a cool comedy radio show. Well, it sounds much too adult-oriented for you, young man. But it's PG-13, and it's about six super nerds having crazy adventures while they try to take over the world. And you are only 12. Now go to your room and watch Nickelodeon or something. Oh, Mom. Now just what is this? <laughs> Oh my god, that's funny. I've got to tell my friends about Paranoia Texas on TylerNet and TogiNet Radio Monday nights at 8 p.m. It's a show filled with outrageous adventure and hilarious attitude, but it's definitely rated PG-13. I love it. I'm Frankie Sensamore. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. My guest today is Joshua Hathaway. Uh, do you know somebody who's a martyr? Somebody who plays the, the martyr role in your life? I, I, my mom was kind of good at that. Uh, but a victim and a martyr are, are two very similar. They, they might even be, you know, the same, the same entity, but on different ends of that spectrum. What do you think, Josh? Absolutely. The, the energy is the same. You know, it's, it's, um, and the, you know, victim, I don't like to talk about people as victims. I like to talk about just sort of the victim bullshit that we all fall prey to some right. of us more often than others, you know, and, and it, and it's really, it can be rather subtle, Frankie, you know, like you, it, it's obvious in certain ways, but any time when I'm talking about victim bullshit, I'm talking about any time that you're making your own experience out, um, because of somebody else, mm-hmm. you you're, you're subtly giving your power over to that person or that law or that thing. Like the, when you refocus your attention on your choices, your responsibility, what you decide to focus on and how you want to feel, then you're no longer playing the victim. You're no longer in that victim role. And I don't want to pretend that people don't have horrific, tragic things happening to them that right. are out of their control. I, I, I don't want to play this like you manifested X, Y, or Z. No, 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 no. Thing. Yeah. That's ridiculous. That, but, yeah, that's an existentialist kind of thing. Been, yeah, from the moment we have been victimized, we start having a choice about whether we're going to identify as a survivor or a victim. Correct. A, a choice about where we're going to put our attention, where we're going to put our energy, and how we're going to take care of ourselves to make sure that we can um, you know, thrive again. Because every moment we spend focusing on, on resentment and blame of somebody else for our outcomes mm-hmm. is a, we spend abandoning ourselves 
and totally disempowered because we can't change that person or event. You know? Yeah, I think that's something that people forget over and over is that we have a choice. We have a choice on how to react. If somebody is being, you know, mean to you, you have a choice. You know, you can take it, you can leave them, you can respond, or you can react. You know, I had that happen to me with a, with a lawyer and, you know, he was supposed to be on my team and he was so negative to me. And, and you know, for me, I, I don't want negative energy coming at me. And so I had a choice. Was I going to continue to take it because he was somebody of authority in my life? Or was I going to say, you know, let's stop the bullshit. I can't, I'm not dealing with you any longer. I don't deserve that. I knew that. And, you know, make my choice to uh, have a relationship that was better for me. And that's a choice. And we yeah. all have that choice that we get to make in life. Um, just, you know, to talk about uh, blaming other people. I had a really horrible math teacher. And so I blamed that teacher for me not being able to do math when I had all kinds of people around me who were very good at math. And I could have gone and said, hey, you know what? I don't like it, but let, let, help me out here. Uh, but I chose to blame him for years and years and years why I couldn't do it. When I couldn't do it, I didn't want to do it. Let's be honest, right? Yeah. I can do anything I want. I'm smart. True. I can't be that stupid that I can do all these other things and not be able to do that. So it, it, that was you know, me hiding from myself until I decided to admit it to myself. And we do that. People do it all the time. Yeah. Can't is actually a really beautiful and subtle form of victim bullshit. Yeah. Can't. The word can't. Like it really like it has no relevance in an empowered life. And I, I just, I really challenge everybody who's listening right now to watch how often you use the word can't instead of either don't want to, mm -hmm. don't, um, uh, don't know how yet, mm -hmm. or um, all kinds of other much more empowering ways of using language. And I say trying is lying. You can't yeah. try. You can't try to drop a pencil. You do it or you don't. Yeah, you're So practicing. trying is putting your, you know, saying, ah, maybe I'll dip my toe in, but I'm not going to go in 100%. You committed. can't try not committed. Yeah. Not committed. Exactly. So let's talk about language as it pertains to uh, expression and what, you know, you, you wanted, you told me um, a couple of weeks ago that you wanted to work with men and you wanted to help men connect to their own feelings, to deepen their, be able to deepen their relationships. So let's talk about that. Absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, part of the sort of story world that I'm in is this sort of um, dialogue around patriarchy and around the sort of shifting of patriarchy as a sort of dominant cultural um, uh, structure, you know. And I think that there's a really popular sort of um, notion that men were the winners of patriarchy and women were the losers of patriarchy. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that means that because men um, got power and got um, access to material resources um, that they won, right? Which, in my opinion, is actually thinking in a patriarchal mind. Because the patriarchal mind values power over other people and material resources over emotional balance, uh, interconnectedness, um, like collective thriving and interdependence, you know? And so um, what, I, the, what I like to, to, to recognize is that women have been fighting their way out of what they lost in patriarchy for a long time through feminism, regaining their sort of power, political power, regaining their power to access to resources. Meanwhile, men have really struggled to regain what we've lost, which is our, our access to our own emotional body, our capacity to um, 
to connect intimately and to, to, to lower our, our barriers. And I think while we're all equally susceptible to the bullshit that I talk about, you know, where I really want to focus my energy and attention is with the men, because I think that we have we have a, a responsibility right now to to step up our, our game in terms of being self-connected, expressing our emotions in a safe way, because that's the thing. Men, the only safe emotion for a man to express is rage, is anger. And so everything just gets shoved down until it pops out as a as rage or anger and I, I want I want to live in a world where we are all capable of expressing our emotions, where nobody is shamed for having an emotion, um, where we all can access our emotions. And that ultimately is what creates safety in relationships, when we can be honest and authentic, which is the last form of bullshit we didn't talk about, which is avoiding bullshit. When we're mm-hmm. expressing difficult things, when we're avoiding our own feelings because we have a fantasy about how we are supposed to be or should be then we're often just basically creating collateral damage and taxing the relationship at a very high interest rate. Um, and do you think that part of, part of, you know, men not being able to express is, is that society as a whole is going to have to change. It can't, you know, um, they are still going to be ab- abused, let's say for showing some emotions. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's still like big boys don't cry. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, we're we're in a, a what I what I what I'm seeing around me in a, in, a, in a in a sort of honestly sort of very progressive bubble in a very progressive state here in Santa Cruz, California. Um, but uh, what I'm seeing around me is people who are committed to raising their boys um, uh, with permission to feel and permission mm-hmm. to express um, traditionally non-masculine aspects of themselves. We're seeing a lot of bending happening in this whole, whole sense of what gender is, right? Which is mm-hmm. I think a fine thing, and I don't want to lose track of the the beauty and power of what is masculine and the beauty and power of what is feminine and how we all embody those in our own sort of, uh, mixes and degrees. Um, and I don't want to feminize men and I don't want to masculize women. I want everybody to have range and to have Mm -hmm. the capacity to express different aspects of themselves without feeling like it goes against some fundamental law of their gender. Because there is something beautiful in, in those two roles. I, 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 you know, I don't want a feminine guy, and I'm sure that my husband for sure doesn't want a masculine woman. Um, but feeling and being able to be in touch with your emotions and know what what it is is different. And you know, I think we talked about this before, Josh, but not on air. Uh, that I thought that the lexicon for feeling was missing in men. That their range of emotion um, that maybe they do feel doesn't have a name because they don't know what it is. Really, and I, so they, they just, you know, park it somewhere. Our whole, our lexicon as a culture is, is impoverished when it comes to feeling words. You know, you can look at a, a list of feeling words and I, you know, I have a fantastic list of emotional words. And when I'm talking about feelings, I'm talking about our emotions, right? Mm-hmm. We use the F word so inappropriately in our culture. Mm-hmm. I feel like you're being mean, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, we use the the F word so indiscriminately when actually I'd like to bring it back to the emotional experiences that we're having because that's what we can own. That's what we can point to and name in ourselves and we can bring language to it. When we do, then we're more congruent because most often people are having – we're always feeling. There is no time in your life as a, as a, as a non-lobotomized person where you're not having an emotional experience of some kind, however subtle. 
And if you don't recognize that experience that you're having on an emotional level and you just go sort of whipping out all your words and reacting to situations, then you're you're um, you're probably causing damage and harm in the relationships that you're. I do think that there are men who don't feel that don't know that they're feeling that they can't even point in their body where they're feeling something. And and I think that it's, you know, partly fear. You know, I, I don't want to feel that. So I don't. You know, because what will I do with it? What do I do with that emotion? Yes, so true. That's, uh, the emotion I'm not allowed to have. Exactly. Yeah, we've cut ourselves off. We've literally, it's, it's part of the avoidant process. We've cut ourselves off from our own experience because it's not safe. We don't feel safe. We don't know how to hold it. We're afraid that either it's going to just like explode all over the world and crush buildings. I, 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 I know as a man that I've, I've felt many times like if I let this out, I'm going to destroy this room or I'm going to destroy this building with the amount of energy that I have in my body. And the, the, the work is to, to, to access your emotions, to, to titrate, to, to get connected to your emotional experience enough so that it doesn't build up to the point where it's going to just destroy a building. And ultimately, mm. dude, it's not going to destroy the building. That's a story that you've told yourself that comes from right. very small and getting in trouble for having emotions and being shamed for being emotional. We were right. all shamed for being emotional, men and women. And shame is one of the emotions that I would love to remove from the lexicon. I envision a world several generations down the line where we don't know what shame is. We look at, we, we hear about it in, in history books, but we mm -hmm. can't identify with that feeling because we've no longer been conditioning our next generation through the process of shaming them. You should it. be ashamed. Yeah. And that's by somebody else's standard anyway. Yeah. Well, it's always, it always starts as somebody else's, but it turns into our own, right? right. Our parents' voices turn into our voices. You yeah, know, you know, that's true. So this is so what is it that, that you, you know, out there, what is it that you would like to do away with? Um, what shameful thing, you know, do you do that you would like to say goodbye to? And because you can just free yourself of it right now, we're giving you permission. Yes. <laughs> Gone. Wipe, wipe up my hands. And I, I, I give I like to give people full permission to feel the shame. Yeah. To actually feel the shame that they experience when they come close to that thing, whatever it is, so that they can – because before you can say goodbye to something, you actually have to say hello to it. And we always just keep it camped out at the front door. But when we actually open up our door and let this painful thing in, then we can serve a tea and escort it out the back. You know? Okay. On that note, we will be right back from this commercial. And don't go anywhere. Stay in your seat. Well, if you have to get a drink, go do that or take a bio break. But then come right back because we're going to have another little chat with Josh Hathaway. We're going to talk about your feelings and boom, we're done. After we pay the bills. Do you ever wonder if you're the only woman who runs errands in her yoga pants so it will look like she went to the gym? Or how about the only mom who feeds her kids raw cookie dough? Or are you the only one who cooks her family cold cereal for dinner? Do you need more laughter and less loudness? More self-love and less self-loathing? More joy and less judgment? You're not alone. Come to the living room, a place where we get comfy, candid, and confident together. Come seeking sanctuary and leave feeling renewed. We're saving a seat for you. Give yourself some living room today.
This is the TokiNet Radio Network, radio with a cutting edge. It's Okay, ladies, listen up. Did you know recent studies are suggesting that women with skinny waists but sizable hips are smarter than other women? Scientists at the University of Pittsburgh and the University of California gave cognitive tests to a group of 16,000 women and girls of different body types and found the women with the greatest hip-to-waist proportions scored higher. Hmm, I guess that would make me a walking encyclopedia Britannica. Now, hold on, that doesn't mean it's okay for us to be a powder pigeon. That's another name for a woman whose sizable hips can take up a whole supermarket aisle. Research suggests that the fat around fuller hips and thighs holds higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, which helps the brain. I'm not sure if I would rather be able to do the Sunday crossword puzzle or get into those jeans I bought 10 years ago. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Okay, we're back, and we just... We're, we're just back. We're back with Josh. And I was asking Josh and Ben backstage here, you know, what goes on when men are bonding in, you know, around the motor, around the car, around the motorcycle? Uh, I got to go get a beer with my buddies. Um, are they, are they, you know, behind secret doors actually talking about emotions and, and telling guys, God, I feel really sad? Uh, or is it something else? Fess up, yeah. boys. Well, you know, the thing about men and women, one of the fundamental differences is that women actually go through relational development. Like women's, women's like psychological development can be tracked through relationship. Men develop on these whole different lines of like moral and agency, you know, development. And so when men are men bonding, it's a side by side goal oriented thing for the most part in, in you know, in, when it's when it's bonding over the motor or bonding uh, on the on the on the soccer field or bonding wherever sort of we are a team going after something. Um, and that's a whole different kind of bonding than men get um, when the, the, when they say sit in a men's circle and actually show up for one another, share their greatest challenges and um, and go deep with one another about some of their problems and call each other out on their bullshit. It's one of the most important things that, that I've gotten over the years from my men's group and cultivated is a circle of men who I trust the fuck out of and who will not let me be in my bullshit, who will call me out and hold me accountable to my commitments and, uh, and, and do that kind of work with me, you know, and that, that's precious. And that's the kind of work that I'd like to be cultivating more in the world. And the thing that I just want to say about that is that because of men having this kind of, um, this is the way we develop, mm-hmm. I don't see coaching and psychotherapy as, um, as often really meeting with men where they need support. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've developed No Bullshit Communication. That's why I've developed this online course because in eight weeks going through this program that is actually a program that men can do by themselves with, with some support and there are a few group coaching sessions, but mostly it's videos and reading and assignments. Men can go through and work on their bullshit in a multimedia way that's kind of private and at their own pace where they're not sitting there having to relate and sort of be intimate with other people. They can do, they can process it on their own. And I'm telling you what I've seen from this course is that men get more out of it than a year of psychotherapy as their psychotherapist tries to crack that nut, you know, because they, they get to do it in private. It's a, it's a challenge. It's something that they go after and they want to master. And then I want to ask Ben, Ben, you're hearing this. So you're a guy. Tell, tell us like when you hear what, what Josh just said, what does that make you feel? That there's this this course. Can you 
does it it does it relate to you in any way it does i think it's very interesting i haven't ever heard it put so um quite like that bluntly (laughs) well not just bluntly just intelligently yeah so what is it what what is it what do you think that you would get out of something like that as a guy i don't know after having been in the military it's i don't know i don't know what would come out so, Josh, what, what would a man expect to gain from going through through this? Okay, we know that he's going to, you know, let go of his bullshit. But what are the, let's say, the top three um, values for him if he if he does this? Like, because everybody, everybody wants a why. Why me? What's in it for me? So what's in it for him? What's well, he going to gain? I guarantee that your, commu- your communication, your relationship is going to dramatically improve. Okay. So whether it's your intimate relationship, like I said, or your relationship with your kids or people at work, you're going to be a better communicator. You're going to communicate more clearly from a place of ownership. You're going to know how to ask concretely for what you want and follow up. So there are very sort of concrete communication processes that are going to, that are going to really dramatically reduce the amount of conflict and friction that you experience on a daily basis in your intimate partnerships and otherwise. The other thing is you're, you're going to feel more empowered because you're going to recognize those places where you're giving away your power in subtle ways. You're not mm-hmm. going to be empowered in the same way. You know, we, we, I think we equate power with like strength, like I can overwhelm. But actually right. power is about leverage. Mm-hmm. I'm the strongest guy in the world and I will not be able to pick up that boulder. And I can be a weak little dude and stick a stick on another little rock in the right place and leverage that thing and move it in, a, in with with very little effort. And so being a, being a, a, having being in your power is about leveraging. And that's what I teach people in no bullshit communication: how to leverage these little points to really um, own your own power and stay in your own space. And the last thing is overall that 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 just creates a sense of confidence. Um, when I know that I can walk into any situation and and use my tongue foo to navigate whether somebody's being just completely insane in front of me or breaking down or whatever it is, um, or just bringing a, a little micro aggressive kind of digs. And I can totally just like Teflon, that stuff doesn't stick to me and I can stay in my integrity and navigate the situation to bring about the kind of outcome that I want. Um, uh, it just brings up, it brings about an incredible sense of confidence. Um, is there a, um, a definition for the perfect relationship? Wow. Uh, if you were to put me on the spot, the definition of a perfect relationship. You don't have to give me one. I'm just asking. Do you think that yeah. there is one? Oh, I think many people have tried to do it. And, and I think just going after perfection in the first place is a little bit of a... Yeah, yeah. But, um, but you know, as we look at relationships, like for everybody, I'm sure it's different what a, what a great relationship means to them. But there, there has to be a definition, though, for relationships and what you know, they should look like or what we would want them to look like or feel like. Yeah. Well, what's a successful relationship? Yeah. It's one where I think where, where both people, um, feel, um, strengthened and nourished by their relationship with their partner that you, you know, that you, your life is better and you are more mm-hmm. thanks to the companionship of the person you're with. I mean, I think essentially any successful relationship has to have room for both the ways that we just passionately love each other and affirm each other and it has to have room for our bullshit so no bullshit communication isn't about never bullshitting it's about seeing that every time we drop some bullshit in the room Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity to go deeper it's an opportunity to investigate a little bit what's going on Mm -hmm. and 
find the vulnerability and find the connection point that can allow us to become a team again. It's so- always so interesting when it, when it happens and, and you look at it and you go, wow, I wonder why I needed to do that. Yeah. What was I feeling? What was I fearing? What was, you know, why do I want to hide right now? And really, those are the questions people need to ask themselves when, when their bullshit comes out. Absolutely. Yeah. So what suggestions, you know, do you have for, for folks, men and women, really, who are interested in getting to know themselves, are interested in having better relationships, are interested in uh, becoming Tung Fu masters? Well, I certainly would invite folks to come check out my website. It's called yes, please do. MasterYourBullshit.com, all one word, MasterYourBullshit.com. And um, just sign up for sign up for my newsletter, and you'll just get a ton of awesome free content videos talking about different aspects of bullshit and how to do it differently. Um, check out my web uh, my my Facebook page, No Bullshit Communication on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and yeah, ultimately take the take the fucking course and change your life. Like, you know, I, a, a divorce costs like half of everything you own, starting with your left. <laughs> My course costs 400 bucks right now. So, so, you know, do the math. It's going to cost you your bullshit, which is actually a lot more precious to your ego than the $400. But I guarantee you out the other side, you're going to, you're going to barely recognize yourself. It's fucking amazing what happens when people go through this process. But what is also interesting is that you can do the process and maybe not end up with your partner because really, you know, you may not be there for the right reason and you just learned that. Yeah, and that's the amazing thing is when you get self-connected and you get the tools, you you can actually navigate um, a, a divorce more gracefully than you navigated being together. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not about having to – if the relationship isn't serving everybody involved, then the relationship needs to change. You right. Know? But we don't – we can't even really know that until we can bring our best self to the relationship and stop doing the things like blaming our partner, mm-hmm. making demands, projecting on them, pulling our avoidant bullshit and swallowing our reactions until they explode. All the things that we've done over and over again to damage our relationships until we stop doing that. It's going to be really hard to know whether a relationship um, can actually thrive. Yeah. And one and one key um Let's say I would say suggested for you folks who are listening, if you need to be in a relationship, then you're in the wrong relationship. You, you never have to need to be in one. You should, you know, desire, um, want to, but not need to. Because if you need to, then you have to go and do some work on yourself and figure that out. Why you need to be in a relationship. Right. Why you can't be on your own or in your own relationship with yourself. And that's not to minimize like the, the, the powerful needs that we meet even in bad relationships. You know, like yeah. they are an authentic attempt. That's the thing about no bullshit communication is we have to recognize that we are all hardwired with the same needs and we're all doing our best with the resources we have in the moment to meet them. So every moment we're doing our best with the resources we have, inner and outer resources, and we all have the same needs. And it's really a key to, to, to not taking other people's stuff personally, that they're living in their own dream, they're, they're living in their own world of stories, and they're doing their best with all the resources they've been given to, to navigate the, and, and get their needs for connection, for, for affirmation, for love, for, 
for belonging, for, you know, all of these universal needs that we have. We've only got three minutes, but let's, let's see if we can talk really quickly about how relationships go through peaks and valleys and, and what we can do when we're in that valley um, to, to bring, a, bring us back on a high, bring back love to a relationship. Absolutely. Oh, two minutes. Sorry. <laughs> okay, well, you know, let's go. Fundamentally, it's about, it's about giving what you think you're not getting enough of in relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about, you know, ev- it's, it's really easy to start out a commitment strong. Right. If I'm going to do 10, if I'm going to do 10, uh, 10 squats with heavy yeah. weight, you know, what's the easiest one to do? The yep. first one. Right. Yep. Yep. And, and what's the what's the hardest one to do? The last one. The last one. But what's the one that I get the most benefit from? Number right. 11. Yeah. Right. I go beyond yeah. what I think I can do. And I and I really give in that place where I think I have nothing left to give. That's mm-hmm. often when I create the greatest benefit for myself and the people around me. Right. You know? And that's not to say to stay in a relationship and keep giving to somebody who just takes, you know? Right. No, Most you can't do that. Givers that. need to get back too. But you're right. I think you, you hit the nail on the head where you, when you said you have to go beyond the mediocre. You have to raise the bar a little bit for yourself um, and take it right to the end. Like give, give as much as you possibly can because, you know what, nine times out of ten, you will get it back and – uh, what we want for all of you is to have wonderful, happy, loving relationships wherever you go. And giving is not about getting it back. No, somebody you have to give without getting back, without thinking love. you're going to get it back. The most joyous thing you can ever do is give love to somebody. Yeah. yeah. Love that. It's true. Okay. Well, we are out of time. Joshua Hathaway, thank you so much for being my guest today. You are the Tung Fu master and I love that about you. And you know, Go to go go see Josh's page if you want to learn more about the art of communication and no bull, bullshit communication. Come back next week for Frankie Sent some more because I will be here. And see you on Mission Unstoppable. Thank you so much. And so, thanks, Ben. Yeah, thank you, Ben. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the music to start again so I can start dancing in my seat again. That's just my oh, favorite, it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Shin, are you the one way to make me smile?